Hello and welcome to Project Esports for September 30th, 2019. As always, I am one of your hosts, Andrew Nimsgern, and alongside me are my two favorite co-hosts all together for the first time in what feels like forever. It is James Graham and Dylan Beal. How are you guys doing today? Good. Um, ready to start the show. Lots of esports going on this past weekend, so should be an exciting one. Uh, yeah, I I didn't have lots of esports on the go over the weekend. I unfortunately didn't make it to the finals, but uh, I'm really excited for Worlds this week. Yeah, Worlds started out this week. We'll be able to talk about that a little bit this episode. We have a lot of other things kind of coming up this week to talk about, because if you did not know, Project Esports is a weekly talk show that happens every week on twitch.tv slash popped underscore off, where we talk about all the biggest news stories, interviews, topics, whatever else we kind of want to talk about in esports. We give a little bit of context and a whole lot of opinion on each and every one of them. But I don't really have any housekeeping for you guys coming up this week. I know we haven't really had anything housekeeping, but now that me and uh, Dylan are back from the grand finals at this point, we're all just kind of getting back into the groove of, creating as much content podcasts all that kind of stuff as possible so um with that i guess why not just jump right into the first topic because we are kind of debating even pre-show about what content we're going to be talking about and how much we have so cut a little bit of uh intro out and just jump right into that and that's going to be the overwatch league grand finals and kind of the start of the trade window which is going to be pretty much happening for the next couple of months now but for those of you that did not know, me and Dylan both attended the Overwatch League Grand Finals in Philadelphia last weekend. I flew out there on Saturday morning. Dylan got there on Friday, and we spent the entire weekend there um, and went to the games on Sunday, which was an incredibly cool experience. I mean, I can go into that a lot, Dylan, but what did you think of this weekend? What did you think of the games? What do you think of Philadelphia? What did you think of the whole experience? For, yeah, even though being a little crippled and being a little slower to move around that weekend, did you still have a good time? Yeah, I mean, overall, it was a really good weekend. Um I love Philly. I love the Philly area because I'm from Pennsylvania. So um, it was nice to go there. Um, I was a little bit immobile the whole time, but uh, I still was able to take Andrew out and get him a good old fashioned cheesesteak at a nice uh, greasy place. So um, I did that and we got to the games. So all my ba- all my bases were covered at that point. So um, but I mean, what were, what were your thoughts? Because we went there at least for grand finals day and it was a lot more than we thought it was going to be. Because, like, it was great because we went there and we got to see, you know, a ton of friends. We get to see Kate. I got to see a ton of people back uh, from Penn State Esports that were there. Um, we saw a few uh, Overwatch riders. And then there was, like, that fan fest. So I just want you to describe what the fan fest was because I think most people probably don't know what that was who wasn't actually there. Yeah, first off, I do want to echo just how amazing how um, how amazing it was to meet so many people on Saturday for me. Uh, Dylan didn't get as much time, uh, but I went out, met so many really cool people that I've really looked up to for a while, or just kind of people that I've just known and been friends with with Kate, a lot of the game house writers, um, Liz from .esports, so many other people like that. So it was just really cool to kind of interact with all of them, and that was something that I really made this weekend special to me. But yeah, going to that fan fest on uh, Saturday, I mean Sunday, it really felt kind of like something you'd see kind of at a traditional sporting event. I mean, maybe not something as large, not every single game, but for a home opener or something kind of like that, you usually see something like this. And it it was a really cool experience. They had a DJ out there. They had a bunch of like the tracer pit where you could jump in there and get yourself recorded. They had uh, make your own free uh, phone cases. Apparently the Bud Light was there. That was free as well. So it was really cool. And it was actually really packed and seemed to have a really good showing for that. And there's a couple of players walking around and all that kind of stuff. So I was really pretty happy with how that was, even though we waited in line for 35 minutes to get a free phone case. And they ran out of phone cases when you were like four people away from the front of the line. 
So that was a little sad, but it was overall really cool kind of experience the outside of it for those of the people that wanted to get going a little earlier in the day because the finals didn't start till three o'clock in the afternoon. So um, just that whole morning experience to get up and going and seeing people and interacting with people was really cool. And I really like to see that other events. I know like uh, they do that for uh, LCS games out in L.A. and stuff like that sometimes, too. So it was a really cool experience. and I definitely think it added a lot to that day, um, which ended up being a pretty short day once we got inside. But um, uh, the the four Omega Lol was it was something. I mean, they were really good games, at least uh, at least entertaining games just because shock was so dominant. Um, obviously, it would have been nice to have a really long drawn out finals that were games were super close to every single game and have it be really long. Uh, but I mean, if we we're going to get a four O, at least these this was the four O that we got. Um, but I mean, yeah, shock is they're, they're the best, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, James, did you watch the finals at all? Did you get any kind of uh, catch up on that? I didn't bother to because once I saw I saw two O and I was like, oh no, and I just kind of like let it happen, and then I came back to the uh, to the four O. Um, I had hoped that since both of you were present, one of you would have actually tried to take a physical shot at Sinatra, seeing as you guys both know how I feel about him. Um, but he ends up like winning MVP. No, 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 he doesn't. But he's, you know, open wins MVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I, which apparently was quite deserved. So, yes. Yeah. So, no, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of echo what uh, Dylan was saying that there's not a whole lot to talk about these yeah. grand finals. We never usually dig into scores or too much like that. But it was an incredibly entertaining experience to go on the outside. Like, even though it was kind of so one sided, the shock looked so masterful. And especially running the Bastion is pretty much where they ran all four maps, which is super cool to see. They just looked so good at that. That was so entertaining. And whenever Vancouver did show signs of life, they really popped off on some of the plays there as well, too. So it was really entertaining, um, despite it being one-sided. And even once you got in the arena and the actual fan experience was really cool, too. Um, the desk was out in the hallway that anyone could just go and stand around. They were all interacting with it. I saw a bunch of streamers and uh, even some players out in the hallways taking pictures all the time. Um, I got a picture with Jeff Kaplan, which I was super excited about. It, the whole experience was just really cool. And for anyone that would like question of is it worth going, um, I definitely think it is worth going. I mean, I wouldn't be paying thousands of dollars maybe to tr- travel over from EU next year or something kind of like that. But if it is a reasonable trip that you can afford, I definitely think it's an esport that is worth going to. Um, even just for the Sunday uh, festivities, the tickets weren't super expensive. Um, great view everywhere, and the fan experience was really good. I mean, do you kind of agree with that, Dylan, or anything? So the one thing I want to talk about is because last year we absolutely railed against the overwatch league for booking dj khaled and i just want to say especially being in person having said there was actually really good so uh, they were kind of like vague on what it was going to be beforehand uh but what it ended up being is just a 30 minute set of where he played three of his top songs and a four song that um wasn't i don't think as big but it was really good um you know he had a special guest that came out and stuff but like it was good it was awesome i loved it actually because it was like yeah, these are hits. I love. I want to hear the hits. Give people yep. the hits that they all know, and then it's good. Yeah, and then you saw you open up with like the Overwatch or the Zed themed Widow skin, and then um, like kind of Overwatch things playing in the background, all that kind of stuff, and then all the really cool graphics. Well, I agree, it's a good musical act. Not something we say very often in esports, but I will definitely give that kind of our seal of approval for a musical act. But. Yeah, just to kind of build on that too, like Zed is actually probably one of the only few esports artists or artists who's are, are experienced with esports where he was actually he was actually hired to do one of the world's themes as well. So I mean, he's not 
the esports team isn't a foreign thing to Zed, so I feel like he kind of knew what no. everybody was really. No, I definitely agree with that, and I guess it's kind of going on um, to kind of continue on the topic just a little bit and look more at kind of now what's next. Is so we don't see anything starting back up till January is when the next homestand start. Maybe some preseason if they decide to do that this year, unlike they did uh, in 2019. Um, but the trade window is open right now. We've already seen one kind of major move. It's not necessarily a player move yet, but pretty much the entire Washington Justice coaching staff left. A couple of people stayed on the inside that were non-coaches, but they were. Did they leave or were they released? Because I think I think it, they were released. I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a. They get. They decided to leave. It was. Oh, their, that's what I meant. Their, they're all. They're all cut. They were all released. Um, and then um, Ark, um, was not officially released. There's a little bit of confusion on that when he said he he's a free agent. He's still on the team, but he's just like now looking at other offers and trades and all that kind of stuff. So he says there's an opportunity for him to still stay in the justice, but he is looking for other things. And that is just on day one. So I definitely think it is going to be very hectic this upcoming offseason. I mean, I know all three of our teams didn't have a spectacular season. Um, Justice showed a little bit of sign of life there, but say even they're not safe after having such a good, strong um, end of the stage. And I think pretty much every roster is going to have some major change-ups except for the shock in Vancouver. I think we'll see major changes from almost every other squad in the Overwatch League. You think Shanghai too, even though Shanghai was one of the other ones who actually came out and performed? I mean, by major changeup could just mean one of their key players going. That yeah. could be that could be a not saying Gamsu specifically, but a Gamsu like player leaving or going. I mean, I even say Gaguri, even though she wasn't a major part of the team or the ding. Um, someone like that um, leaving the team could be a major shakeup. So even one player, yeah. when it's only six people playing, can be a major shakeup is what I mean by that. A lot of teams switching back and forth between what each one needs. Yeah, well, we saw that last year um, whenever the trade window opened up a well, as well. I mean, even though there was new teams coming in, uh, we still saw that happening. So I don't know. I think this is just pretty standard uh, I, for the Overwatch League. It probably will be until like maybe these franchises are super duper solidified. But I don't know. Uh, we're I, we're gonna see a lot of big moves. I think, hopefully, it's for the best. Yeah. But uh, I don't know with this Washington Justice cut from their from their uh, coaching staff. It's I don't know. It's a little bit scary. Um, just because I really was liking the team towards the end a lot. I mean, I liked the team throughout the the whole season, but especially at the end when they're like really coming together. Um, I don't know. It it feels weird that they cut all of them at once. I don't know if they're just going for a totally new image or what's going on there. Yeah, that was interesting, but I guess maybe we'll kind of see if they have plans made coming up. I guess it's hard to know. so early in the trade season that, and I definitely am not knowledgeable enough in Overwatch to be making big predictions or anything like that. So for this part, at least I'm going to kind of just give my opinion on it. And I don't really have any um, information actually kind of back up that move, but Anything else you kind of want to wrap up on, touch on for free agency, whether it be or um, just kind of the Overwatch League finals? We're pretty happy with that and looking forward to January, which isn't quite as long as last time, but it's still a couple months away before we get any more Overwatch. So support Tier 2 and Tier 3 Overwatch until then. Gauntlet comes up in two weeks. So go watch the Gauntlet. There you go. But with that... The story that never ends, I think, is finally coming to an end because I just don't see how else it could continue on with these two next stories, James. So let's yeah. wrap up Echo Fox. Let's wrap up Rick Fox. Just be done with this for the rest of the year, hopefully. We we say that every time we bring it up, and it, it just 
seems to keep coming back. So apparently, uh, and it wouldn't be a podcast with me on it um, without Rick Fox being somehow in the headlines. Um, he's apparently being ousted as of the 21st of October. Um, I guess he's gone on record. September? Uh, no, October. Oh, no, coming up. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. The article actually came out on the 27th of uh, September. And uh, yeah, pr- uh, according to some shareholders, he's basically, you know, um, I guess he's been on record to say he'll burn this company to the ground, um, which is always, which is always a lovely quote. Um, shareholders also think, uh, and we talked about this, I think the last time we kind of really it, brought it up. It's kind it, of been going around for a while now. It's yeah. officially happening now. Yes. So he's, uh, they basically said that he's been making decisions to the company that are basically putting it in danger, which was, I think was a huge talking point of, uh, the last time this kind of came up. Um, and apparently he had also denied the, uh, evil geniuses buyout the LCS bought the, the first time it went around, he was actually looking for another company. Um, we now of course know that the, the spot, um, auction went to through riot and riot was the one who actually dictated where it was going to go. Um, and as, as I'm kind of, as we're talking about this, uh, evil geniuses has been re- announced to <laughs> return to the fold of the LCS. Now for anybody who doesn't know who it might be a bit of a, you know, a league historian, um, evil geniuses once upon a time was a part of, uh, was a part of the LCS um, years and years ago. Um, and now they're finally making their comeback. There's some really big OG brands in this, in the LCS now uh, with the return of Dignitas. Immortals, not so much OG, but definitely made a massive impact when they were around. Um, and now Evil Geniuses um, as well, because of this and because of everything that's going on, um, Evil Geniuses also picked up NRG's CSGO team. So, um, it seems like their evil genius is making really big moves. It's really nice for to see like from older brands that really have shown signs of life that have really clawed their way back into the fold. Um, I'm really happy about this. I don't know how everybody else feels because I don't know. EG is EG. And I know a lot of people have the a bone to pick with them just because they've been around so long. And they've, you know, the longer the brand exists, the more shady shit happens. So, um, I don't know. This is, uh, I mean, this might be, I think this is going to be the end of the Rick Fox legacy with Echo Fox. Um, they've kind of, totally totally cut themselves off from everything but that being said though i have a feeling it's gonna come back it's gonna come back up at some point there's no way it doesn't yeah i guess kind of bringing all three of these conversation topics all at once kind of with evil geniuses it's it's kind of hard to decide where to kind of go with that but i i don't know i i don't think rick fox even staying if even if you would have stayed at echo fox i just felt like it was at a point where he had so little power anymore the second they started talking about him um, being removed and that they're suing him and trying to do the restraining orders and all that um, for doing actions that were not in the company's best favor. Um, after that happened, there's really no future for him at Echo Fox anyways. And reading a little bit more into this report by um, Wolf is a little bit of questionable, but some of the decisions he did make, and I'm not saying I agree with them. I mean, ultimately a lot of it came and a lot of this came about that he was forced by an investor, but wondering why he didn't accept some of these offers from um evil genius in the first place is uh questionable to me but let's kind of stick with rec fox before we move into the evil genius because we got a lot to say about them but Dylan, what do you feel about the whole rec fox situation again yeah again i i feel like we're gonna come up this is gonna come up again we're gonna end up talking about this i don't know in a week or two uh because it's inevitable like it always comes up there's always more drama so I don't know. Uh, it's eh, it sucks. It sucks because he's a really cool face of the brand, but 
I don't know. It seems like he did like yeah. It's, it seems like he doesn't have the best business. Yeah, and there's it seems like there's too much baggage at this point. Like there's just so much yeah. baggage with that brand and with him. It's like at this point, just like had hey, clean slate. Let's just you know, let's see where we can take this brand. I don't even know if the brand is gonna still kind of take the same form that it is now. They might just might rebrand or something. Um, Echo Fox, yeah, yeah, they might yeah. They just might do that. Um, but I don't know. Um. This has put a real sour taste in my mouth on all parties involved. Um, so I don't know. I hope for the best with everyone. I hope I hope that Rick Fox can still stay in esports in some way because he really does have his heart in it at this point. And I really hope the Echo Fox team, maybe not the investors, because you know, fuck the investors, but the team at least <laughs> and uh, the staff behind it. I really hope they still have a home um, and they still have a team to to run. Yeah, but yeah, so just kind. of of looking at the actual bid and kind of talking about Rick Fox and some decisions he may or may not have made that force this kind of thing, but apparently Evil Genius's bid on Echo Fox in July for $41 million. $10 million in cash and $31 in contingent payments, assuming everything was going as said. $41 million if everything goes according to plan. That makes sense. It's um, way more than the spot was worth initially, too. Like Way more sort of- than what it was worth. And Kronike uh, Esports, what I'm Kronike Esports Entertainment. How the hell yeah. you say that? I still don't know. Kronke? I never looked it up. Kronke? Kronke. I don't know. Um, yeah. They only agreed to pay thirty point two five million. Yes, that was all guaranteed, but still, it doesn't make sense why that ten million dollars difference came down when they both were offered in the same month, and then ultimately that deal fell through, and then uh sentinels dissolve and like, like all that and then they just came back and offered the same exact amount um in august after the um deal fell through with them uh with uh Kronoki. um yeah so. uh, yeah i'm really curious why like because again like like you e- evil geniuses is an established brand right like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you trust these guys you know what i mean like i mean the only reason they ever seem to really pull out of any esport is usually just because of poor performance. Um, but it, like the brand itself has been around for ages, so it, it, to me, it proves yeah. it's at least well managed. And like, there's been no reports of Evil Genius just going under, like we kind of saw with the Optic line and everything like that. Um, so I don't really know why why this was ever an issue. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Now, of course, they had the recent success with CS:GO and all that good stuff. Um, but I mean, that was after the initial pay-in so i don't know maybe rick just didn't feel good about it i have no idea yeah i guess it's kind of hard to know um where all that goes but i am excited i am excited to see a historic brand back in the lcs i'm happy that i would have been fine with sentinels or um uh whatever phoenix one like i would have been happy with that brand coming back like i i'm happy that to see these old brands coming back immortals that didn't make it the first time through or pulled out earlier but it's a historic brand that's going to be coming with fans they know what they're doing and clearly um evil geniuses have been making a ton of big moves recently so i'm totally on board with this i don't care about the whole echo fox thing anymore i'm kind of moving on from that it is now the evil geniuses slot and anything kind of after that as long as they don't fuck up um if i'm just kind of looking forward at this point you got some nice colors too it's not a, they they rock a pretty they usually rock a pretty clean uniform so i'm looking forward to that but uh yeah just oh, sorry go ahead i just say i'm super down with it because i've been i've been following eg since you know back in the starcraft days because that was like one of their first big games and i really respect their brand because they really put forward um their starcraft team when na really sucks at all the esports um and then from there they really evolved and adapt super quickly and put teams into a ton of different games including fighting games of where it wasn't super lucrative 
but they still want to prop up players. And I don't believe they have too many fighting game players or if any at the moment. Um, but, you know, I'm still a big fan from then. And, and hopefully uh, this will get me to watch some League of Legends games. Yeah. And then just kind of continuing on this whole evil genius kind of train with them. We have a lot of talk about them this episode. Is they ended up getting, like James said, energy CSGO roster a couple of days before ESL New York. And again, just kind of curious to see where this big reasoning um, for them just all of a sudden jumping back into all these games out of nowhere. I don't know if they had a new round of investment that I don't know about, if they just had a lot of things line up. But the ESL squad that they just picked up, like I think a week and a half before uh, ESL one ended up just dominating at ESL one, New York and winning the championship there, which is also an incredible way of when you're picking up a roster, you want them to do very well there too. But also another kind of thing I wanted before talking about their success at ESL one, another thing that we could need to point out is they took the NRG roster. NRG is the organization behind the team that just won the Overwatch League, San Francisco Shock. So if they wouldn't have sold the roster, they would have won two championships in a single weekend. So and it's a little funny seeing NRG not see the talent or seeing uh, wondering what that reason is for NRG dropping. Clearly a talented roster. I don't know much about CSGO, but I'm assuming Evil Geniuses saw something and they ended up doing extremely well. Um, and just kind of Evil Geniuses really good call on picking up this roster in the same time frame of announcing an LCS slot. It's definitely the return of Evil Geniuses. Yeah, they would have the best teams with the worst logo, so. Are we talking NRG or are we talking Evil NRG, Geniuses? NRG, because they have a terrible logo because they rebranded. They suck. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and like okay. the, the, thing, the thing about um, the thing about NRG's CSGO team is that they were like, they definitely were good, but they weren't Astralis. And that's it was the yes. kind of the big that was kind of the big thing. Um, and, like, I mean, they they racked up a number of first like uh, Intel Extreme Masters and all that good stuff. Um, but again, they weren't they weren't Astralis. So that, I think that maybe that's why they got rid of them. It did, they were a consistent enough roster that it doesn't really make sense to me. The, the, the offer must have been ridiculous. So that makes me want to cheat towards um, the the new round of investment where they acquired a ton of money and that they're like okay we're just gonna go we're gonna go spend happy and crazy right because now they they have a team in like every major esport at this point the like with the exception of Overwatch League because I don't think they're a parent team to any energy any, no 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 evil geniuses evil geniuses. that's what I mean that's what I meant yeah, yeah. yeah they're not yeah, part yeah. of it so they're they're not they're not a part of anybody else so these guys just outside of Overwatch they're they're running the show like I wouldn't say they're running the show they're the Rainbow Six team just went through some major changes. They uh, they they're, they're they're notorious for choking, um, but they always perform well in North America. They always do, uh, perform well regionally, so um, they're clearly doing something right. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm really shocked by Energy selling these guys off. It doesn't make a well, lot of sense. Well, yeah, and again, so you you're kind of not giving them credit. They are the second best team in North America, apparently. Just kind of reading through more you would, for her, for Rainbow. The no, the NRG roster for uh, CS:GO. Yeah, yeah, okay, but in North America, right? Yeah, North obviously they're not Astralis. No, but they, they but they, they beat them. they beat Astralis. That's they beat yeah. Astralis at the most recent uh the the most recent event, right? So yeah, that's what I mean. It's not like, like there are nobodies. It's not like there are no. that they picked up out of nowhere. No, no, exactly. I'm saying I'm saying and that's why I was kind of making the argument is like I don't know why energy sold them because they were doing consistently well, right? They weren't they again, they weren't EU talent for CSGO, but they definitely weren't they weren't bums. They were far from bums. So I'm really I'm really confused why the the, the accusation was made, so or the the requirement. 
Yeah. Well, no, and and it's not. I mean, I guess it's kind of a question. Is that um, they are? I think Evil Genius has saw an opportunity, especially because coming up next year we are going to see the ESL Pro Tour, which is coming up, and that's where we've seen a hundred thieves, Digitas, other teams like that announcing their interest in kind of the more organized CS:GO um, kind of league. So I think it is the right time that we're kind of getting closer to the end of the year for CS:GO. NRG didn't see interest in continuing on and probably investing into that. Evil Genius is dead. So it was the best opportunity before a major. So I'm assuming that's where that connection is coming from, is that Evil Geniuses, they're just spending all their money right now setting up for 2020. NRG is like, we're going to pull back, focus on other categories. And it just worked out that these two teams were just, it all just kind of worked out for Evil Geniuses all to happen within two weeks of each other. So it was a good timing all around. And I think that's definitely it. And I think it'll be curious to see more teams in the official 20 teams um not official 20 teams but there could be a larger amount of teams um for the esl pro tour next year and kind of seeing who's officially getting in and who's not because that'll be announced in these upcoming um weeks as well yeah and just to kind of build on the eg brand because dylan you had mentioned this kind of offhandedly about them and fighting game they only have two fighting game players right now and i know you don't really consider smash a fighting game uh so they really only have one they have one street fighter player and that's it and it's ricky ortiz um and then they have a smash Bros. player named uh pp isn't that MD. a pro wrestler ricky ortiz i don't sound no, like it no also i i just want to bring up ppmd because this this smash player right um because it's 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 a little silly but uh back in the day ppmd that wasn't originally his uh his name so before the sponsors came around his name was dr pp yes <laughs> yeah it was that it was that and then they were like you need to change this dude we need to sponsor you because you're so good but you can't be dr pp please change your name so ppmd ppmd yeah. jesus it's a little better, I suppose, if you really think about it. I guess I, I didn't pick up on that right away until he told me about the uh, his old name. So then I picked up the MD part of it. So it is a little bit more sponsor friendly. But um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Speaking of sponsors, though, if you do have Amazon Prime, that means you have Twitch Prime, which means that each and every month you can give one free Twitch subscription to any channel of your choice. And it costs you absolutely nothing. All you have to do is go to the channel of your choice and push the subscribe button in the top right corner. Does not automatically do. You have to go and do it. But that just means you have to come back and interact with us once a month because we would love if you gave it to us because it does help us go to events. It helps us um, pay content creators or freelancers or anything like that for the website. It just allows us to make the content as best as possible. So that would mean the world if you do want to throw that our way. Dylan, you're not looking uncomfortable with that. Do do I give you the five seconds? Yes. Okay. okay. I just want to say any any money that goes to us does not send us to events. We pay that out of pocket. It will go well, to any extra. Eventually. Of maybe eventually, but I just want to give the everything people, is content. I want to tell the people what they're actually contributing towards. They're contributing towards extra content. I'm talking about content maybe outside of us. Maybe it's extra content. Maybe it's some new faces. Maybe it's some old faces you haven't seen in a while. Who knows? Donate or subscribe now. And you'll find yeah. out. Ooh, it was talking. ominous. I like that. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know what he's talking about. And he just he's just running one man show over there. He's just saying whatever he wants. But Demon. kind of keeping on with the idea of sponsors and all that kind of stuff. 
after ESL one, we're continuing on with the CSGO kind of train. One of ESL's kind of higher up, I don't remember exact role. He's very prominent in the ESL community and kind of organizer. Is he put out something on Twitter saying, what do you think pretty much along the lines of what do you think about changing counter-terrorists and terrorists to attackers and defend, I mean, to offense and defense? Pretty much a reasoning behind it is that it is not sponsor friendly. It is less kind of casual friendly. It just seems more aggressive and especially the United States terrorists, all that kind of stuff is just not something people like to talk about or be associated with. It was an overwhelming no, we do not want to change. We want to keep with the counter terrorists and terrorists. But I just think it brings up a really interesting conversation because I know why he's doing this. And he ended up saying it kind of a little bit, too, is that it just makes it easier for sponsors. More people want to be associated with something that's offense, defense versus terrorists and counter terrorists. You could be a so your brand name could be said in the same line as terrorists or counter terrorists. And that's not something you want said when you're partnering these large events. So it goes to the debate that me and Dylan seem to have every single week of big business versus grassroots. So I'm curious, Dylan and James, do you think it is worth it in a situation like this for the growth of esports to change certain things? It doesn't have to be changed in official game. It's just how they refer to it at ESL1 events. Is that worth it to help grow the esports scene? Or is the history and the original meaning worth too much? You going? You sure? Okay. So... I think it's a bad fucking idea. I don't agree with it at all because because uh, I agree I agree that it's probably not sponsor friendly, but it's reality friendly. It like I mean you got to remember like I mean you don't want everything to be sugar coated. Like the game is Counter Strike. The game has always been based around terrorism and counter terrorism. Terrorism and counter terrorism are two very very real things right now in the world. You start trying to like soft that up and not give it to the like not present it like that anymore. It kind of it takes away from the essence of the game. Like I, I like does Valve. It, it does, hundred percent does. Valve may hate that stepchild, but it is still terrorist versus counter terrorist. It'll always be like that, and it should stay like that despite sponsorship. The game is still doing quite fine. Valve might hate it, but the game is like is one of the most successful shooters of all time. Like. The counter like he like for them to want to change it just means they want more money and they're not satisfied with the current amount of income, which is a ridiculous amount to begin with. So I think it's dumb. I think it's a bad idea. I think it's trying to pander and it shouldn't happen. It really shouldn't happen. So have you hang on, James, because you're a Rainbow Six guy. I am a Rainbow Six guy. Do you notice that they don't say terrorists? They say attacking and defending in CSGO. I mean, in, so in, uh, okay, so in the there's two there is a terrorist hunt. No, 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 in the no. Game, but there the is terrorist game. hunt. Terrorist hunt is a single player yes. or multiplayer like against CPU. I know. Yep. In in the pro scene, it's not referred to terrorists and counter terrorists because that's not how the game is presenting it. The game presents it presents it as a simulation amongst operators. That's how they do their competitive games. So there's no aspect of terrorism and counterterrorism it is like when you get shot in rainbow six it's supposed to be with a non-lethal bullet none of the other things are supposed to be lethal that's how the game presented it ages ago when it was first released counterterrorists and terrorists has how csgo presented it ages ago not even before csgo before that 1.6 and going back even further than that right it's always been terrorists and counterterrorists so i don't know i think i might have a different opinion than you than than andrew probably expects so 
I, I don't think it's that big of a, a deal that sponsors don't want to sponsor these events. I don't think that is the big issue with uh, CSGO and what's keeping it back from a lot of sponsors because I think a lot of sponsors don't care about that and they're going to sponsor it anyway, um, especially since the game is mostly popular in Europe and that most of the events and most of the big sponsors are European-based. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. But that being said, who cares? They're just names. If you want to call them defense and offense, whatever, the striking, counter-striking, it doesn't matter. I I don't think it matters that much. I mean, who cares? Because it's not like there's a story of the game that the game is like, oh, this the single-player story, and it's like deeply entrenched. It's it's a 1v1 game, or sorry, it's a, it's a team game. You're playing against them. Yeah, there is some ties to the old names to it, but who cares? But but then, like I said, that being said, I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal. I I think this was just an idea brought up by Slasher, um, and I think people are kind of running with it, especially in a lot of the big business areas who probably didn't really think about this before, who are now thinking about it and probably want to push the change. To them, I would say who cares, but to the community, I would also say who cares. So like, I think ultimately, I would be fine. Uh, whether Valve decides to change them or decides not to change them. Because I don't think... It, well, it doesn't even have to be Valve. It could just be ESL1. Well, they just say, we're never going to say counter-terrorists or terrorists. Well, no, they still have the to. Anymore. They still have to do something like... Like, they can choose not to say it, but there's, like, in-game things that allude to it. Um, the announcer does say terrorists win or counter-terrorists win or whatever like that. Um, so, like, those are things that you're going to see. And I guess you can, like, really go hard and you can maybe mod them out. Um, but, like... I don't know. I don't think I, I don't I think this is an issue brought up, but I don't think too many people really care. I think people care, but about their sides. I don't think this debate is really being happening in, in a lot of boardrooms and between a lot of big sponsors. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's an integral part of the game. I think the game is amazing. Um, it's one of my favorite shooters of all time. Um, but I think for every reason besides, you know, the, the names terrorists and counter terrorists. Do you really want to poke the bear of the community, though? Do you really? Because I mean, the community kind of drives the game, right? And the community vastly voted because that poll was really targeted mainly at the community, right? The community that actually cares about CS:GO because that's who that 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 poll was circled around, right? And they vastly vastly voted in the favor of keeping terrorists and counter terrorists. No, do you, I totally do you agree? Yeah, no, do you I really totally agree with you? Yeah. with you. Um, I'm just saying, I wish that people didn't care. I I, I should probably right. Okay, reiterate that. I wish that people didn't care because I do not think it's a big deal either way. And I don't think people should be putting as much weight into the names as they are. But the community is super behind it. That being said, like, uh, I guess you have to pander to the community, too. And like, if it is that big of a deal for them, then uh, who cares? Because like, like I said, I don't think the names are that big of a deal. So if it is a big deal to the community, then, yeah, they are. Like you were saying, James, I totally agree with you. They're running the game. They're giving their support to the game. Then, yeah. You know, if that's something you want to keep, then keep but, it on. But is, is it worth, like, if this is the life or death of ESL1 as a company, that their pro league, that they're kind of going, it's their pro circuit next year, it cannot financially sustain without large investors that are saying that, I don't care if you think this is happening or not, Dylan. They're saying, we will invest this amount of money if you change this. And if they don't make this change, the ESL1 eventually fails because of money. Yeah, someone else, I, someone I else will pick it up. Yeah, Somebody else, yeah, someone like, else is going to pick it up. I think it's fine because ESL as a company is gross anyway. They need to, they need to die anyway, so I'm not even like yeah. like like face it. will pick it up. I 100 percent think that face it will be the next ones to, to jump into this. 
like if ESL if ESL dies, and ESL has been like falling out of favor with every every esport they're a part of. They are littered and plagued with with uh, technical issues at almost every one of their events, and they're based out of they're based out of Katowice. Is that what? Uh, Katowice, Katowice, yeah. something. Katowice, yeah, Poland, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is like not that not that bash on it, but it's the most one of the most populated or uh, polluted cities in the world. It's like I mean, a lot of people don't like going there because of this. A lot of people don't like doing the doing the traveling aspect of going to their events and everything like that. So, I mean, dude, let ESL die, man. Old Yeller, that shit. And if and if CS:GO is the old Yeller, I am okay with that, man. If CS:GO is the reason it dies, perfect. So, what I would have to say to that, Andrew, what you were saying a little bit earlier is that. Yeah, you know, the the big sponsors might drop it, but you know what? That's fine because I saw what happened whenever you had a large community that was really behind something and big investors came behind it and they chose the investors over the community. Same exact thing happened with the fighting games uh, back when esports was first really picking up and investors will never be there by your side when you're down ever. They will drop you in a fucking heartbeat, but the community will always be there and you really need to get behind the community because the money but, runs out. The money will run out, but you cannot let the community run out because otherwise your games are going to die. But if the money runs out, are the teams still going to be there? Are yes. hundred thieves? Yes. If the hundred thieves aren't getting the prize pool next year, if evil geniuses that just spent a, probably a good chunk of money aren't guaranteed prize money next year, are they still playing? You cannot tell me that these organizations that now have investors behind them that now have bills to pay are going to be competing in leagues for free. If there's no money, these teams are not competing right now. Yeah, all these teams were here last year, the year before, the year before, the year before. But there's money right now. Yeah, and there's there, there's always some sort of money in this scene. Whether or not it's big with ESL or whether it's a lot of community tournaments, there is money in the scene. People want to put money into CSGO because it's a really good game. They're going to find the money. Yeah, I, and the, the thing is, too, is that the investor, a lot of these these team investors know a lot more than we do. I don't and like Nate Shot's not dumb. Evil Geniuses isn't dumb. They're not picking up rosters for, for a scene that's going to die. It's it's a massive scene. And well, that's it's, on the it's, promise of money. And where's that money coming from? I mean, yeah, yeah it's, they're going it, to compete in ESL not, next but year. But it's not solely through ESL, though. Star Ladder is another one that's that's run things. Like I mean, ESL, the CS:GO is a little different because they have like three major tournament providers, right? ESL is just one. Of them. Is is it one of the more known ones? Kind of, but I mean, it's also known for being a piece of shit. So it's not that bad if it dies. That means more money is going to go to Star Ladder. More money might go into Face It, which again has been picking up a lot of shit, especially with the smaller scenes. They've been really, really uh, like really breathing life into a lot of games, like. I think like ESL is just dying, man. And like, if they're trying to basically swindle money out of changing terrorists to counter terrorists, and Pat brought this up in the chat, CSGO players are some of the most vocal, vocal players. They don't give a shit. Uh, I my in my interview with Colin McNeil, we even talked about this. How the level of shit dog that comes from CSGO players is astronomically different than any other game because they they have no filter. They don't care. And that's always been a game that's been embedded in their play style since the game's inception. So, like, I mean, if you, if you really want to piss off that volatile of a player base, it's a it's a dumb move. All right, I disagree. I I think I think there's going to be in the next couple of years if we want esports to continue to stay at the size of where it is, some things are going to have to be let go. And I do not think the esports community ever lets go. 
That's all. That's all I'm saying is that I think that bubble we talk about so often is coming. Esports is a bubble. That is not a question. The money going in and the money coming out is not adding up. It is a bubble. And if we want esports to stay close to the size of where it is, more money needs to come in at some point. No, that just makes the bubble bigger. You're just saying inject more money, inject more money, inject no, more money. More pride. Like that's, well, not, that's not how the bubble works, though, Andrew. What, the, the reason why there is a bubble is because all these sponsors are getting into it and they're they're thinking, where's my money going? Like, where's the return on investment? And the truth is, is there's really not a return on investment. See, but it, it's the same thing with sports. You got to realize that your return on investment is in your basically marketing whenever you're putting your stuff on these uh, like on these like clothing or like into jerseys mm-hmm. or ads or whatever. But the, the people putting money into it, they're probably not going to get the ROA that they want. And so the thing that we need to be doing is looking into the community to help bolster up the esports, you know, prize pools and the community so that it doesn't run out. That's the whole point, because if you keep putting sponsor money, sponsor money, sponsor money in, you know, change it to, to offense and defense, that's not going to fix it. That's going to make the bubble bigger until it collapses even harder on us. Yeah, and one of the, I think one of the worst to, to kind of like franchising is one of the things that's really, really fucked up this whole bubble, because like initially it was it was. We didn't have these, these crazy venture capital uh, companies investing into this. Now you're probably putting millions and millions of dollars into a to a scene that really, like esports as a whole. Like I mean, a lot of their players or a lot of the community that like usually feeds it, like it does, like in traditional sports, don't have the same kind of money that you know, and it's not and it hasn't been around nearly as long. So, and I mean, we we know that the Overwatch League is in the red. They've been in the red for a minute, right? But I mean, they they kind of shot themselves in the foot, right? The LCS was naturally like born and bred, and they've built themselves up. Same with the EU LCS, and same with CS:GO. Those ones have really tested the time, the, like you know, the standard time with the sponsorship money slowly increasing, with the player base slowly increasing, and the fan base slowly increasing, and it's all grown organically. The Overwatch League didn't want to do that, and the Overwatch League is the, the big one that is causing this bubble to be so catastrophic. All right. Universal differences. The old guard versus the new guard. I mean, the boomers is, versus the zoomers. This is just, it's just going to be a matter of time. We will see eventually in a couple of years what ends up happening. I agree. But with that, let's talk into our favorite platform to praise and insult Twitch. Twitch kind of happened this weekend. And as always, streaming and, um, Esports are pretty much one and the same. Most all esports are streamed, so we always figure to talk about it. And obviously, it helps smaller content creators like us, streamers, and all that kind of stuff, and find new ways for teams and such to bring in money, which we just talked about is super important. And community investment in Twitch is something that is a lot of way that a lot of people make livings in esports. But Dylan, why don't you kind of fill us in and some of the pretty good things that kind of came out of TwitchCon this weekend? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to fly off the the seat of my pants for this one because I don't have my outline open. Uh, because I took the reins <laughs> on this one. Do you, um, want me, do you want me to read it to no, you? No, like, no, no, no. I, I know it. I know it. Because I'm I'm the stream boy around here. Um, so let me run down some of the big changes that uh, that they released. And a couple small ones that you might have missed. So one of the biggest ones that I want to talk about was the ads. So they're changing around the ads um, of how, you know, it works for affiliates and how it works for partners. So this is going to sound like not a big deal, but it's a big deal. So now whenever you run an ad break, the ad will pop up in your 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 live feed 
will go to the top of the chat in a really small picture in picture. Now I know, I know that might not seem too crazy, but it's actually a really big deal because the one thing that people complain about the most with ads is they feel like they're missing out on the stream. They feel like they're missing something, even though a streamer will sit there and go, Hey guys, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick. Let me run some ads. People will still think that they're going to miss something. So this way you can watch the ad and you can see what's going on. So you can clearly see that you're not missing anything. So I don't know. This is actually really good because I think it's going to incentivize people to run ads um, and hopefully decentivize people to have ad blockers on because the ads are going to be less intrusive. And I think this does kind of go into that discussion that we're having a little bit before because not just with Twitch, but with YouTube as well. Ad revenue used to be amazing. It used to be off the off the walls. Like people used to like make bank with ad revenue. And it really has gone down recently with the you know invention of ad blocker and people using it all the time. Uh, so hopefully I think this is gonna start pushing the way towards a lot of platforms, not just Twitch, but other platforms as well, maybe YouTube, to start implementing ads that aren't intrusive. Um, and, you know, kind of give you a, a seamless feel between that and then the entertainment. What do you guys think? I, I guess maybe you start with Andrew because you're you're the big business dude, right? I, I don't think it's going to turn people off of using ad blockers. I think it'll make a couple people feel a little better about it. The picture in picture is a really cool feature. And I think that is really cool. Another thing you did mention is that it's not open to affiliates. Um, and you can kind of change around if you want to do uh, pre-roll. Like, you know, like right now, a lot of people complain when you go into a channel. Um, it always runs an ad before. You can also choose to remove that. I think that's a much bigger hurdle because for me, the number of times I've had a turn, I've clicked into a stream and had to watch a minute and a half of ads. I've just not gone to that stream because I didn't want to sit there and wait that minute and a half to get through all the ads. Now you have to you can do that with the promise of running a certain amount of ads during your stream. I think that's such a better way, dude. I think that's such a bigger thing to do it because again, I don't see as many people complaining about it doing during the stream ex- outside of like situations like dr disrespect where you run six minutes of ads during the final circle of a PUBG game or something like that and then you just miss that whole thing if you're not a subscriber like that kind of stuff that's that's a douchebag um but like the opportunity of just making people be able to get in the stream clicker quicker and instantly instead of having to uh not have to watch the ad before going in that's a much bigger thing yeah, I'm totally on board with that because I mean, I hate to say it, but like d- ads during the stream itself don't usually bug me that much. Um, no. Now, mind you, I haven't watched them in years because I've been running ad blocker for years, right? Like, I mean, just because because it's a it's a quality of life thing, right? But most of the time, streamers are usually pretty good. It's usually when they're in queue for games or they're you know making a party or something like that. They're like, I'm just gonna run some ad guys, you know, or I'm gonna run to the bathroom, we run an ad, but. but Having to sit through that ad when you first try and go watch a stream, I've like when I watch streams, or if on, like, you have work, to refresh it or something like that, yeah, or you go in and out of your phone every yeah. single time it adds up and it's so annoying. Exactly, it's a huge hassle. It's super annoying. So, like, I mean, that's more of a that's more of like a a good thing to me than the actual running of ads during the stream. Like, um, I'm happy that it is open to affiliates. I mean, that means so smaller streamers can actually, you know get a little more supported but i mean it's not it's not anything crazy i think for if as far as the user experience yeah that initial pre-roll removal is pretty pretty dope yeah so the next big thing i want to talk about was with the channel interactions between uh the content creator and a lot of the viewers so they're changing around how um well i guess not changing but they're implementing channel rewards so you might have seen this kind of in weird circumstances with Streamlabs because 
to be fair, a lot of the, the things that Twitch ends up rolling out are just Streamlabs, Stream Elements yep. features. This is 100% something from yeah. Streamlabs. And so basically what it is, is a reward system of where um, if you donate bits, you can unlock certain things. So they were like, oh, you can unlock an emote for 24 hours. So if you don't want to subscribe, maybe you can throw bits at one emote so you can get one emote from a streamer for 24 hours. Now, I didn't think that was the cool part. What I thought is on the back end, a streamer can put something in like, you know, choose my next hero that I play. Um, And so if you donate a certain amount of bits, um, you know, someone can enter in a hero and it will go into the alerts uh, so that you're like, oh, you know, so and so, you know, donate a hundred bits for me to play um ari i'm gonna play ari next so the interesting i think about this interesting thing about this i want to bring up with you guys and talk about uh possibilities is how could this be used for larger events um because whenever you're having interaction between the community and the content creator in terms of alerts like this we haven't seen a lot for actual like events you know you never see subs you never see donations or anything during events but this I don't know. I, I don't know what it is like. I uh, like my 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 brain cells aren't connecting on what it could be, but I feel like it has to be there somewhere of like this is the integration like this could be the thing that like. It's, it's something there's. Something yeah, there. I know. I know what I you're saying. Like all star weekends could be a really big thing where this happens. So choosing the next map for the all star match, choosing which game mode you want to do, things like that could be one thing that could be a really good way that, oh, you vote if you want the next map to be this or that, or even for smaller tournaments like Rivalcade is another tier two one that if both teams agree, like, hey, we're going to open it up to the community to allow them to decide what map is played next. And whichever map has the most bits donated or something kind of like that is where we're going to play. And all that money goes back to the teams. I think that could be a way to do that smaller content creators, um, uh, smaller tournament organizers um, kind of incentivize people to give bits because it actually has an impact on the games that are played. So I think those could be a couple of reasons. All-Star Weekends, I think, would be the biggest thing for something like the Overwatch League where none of it matters. Because incorporating anything that actually means something into the regular season, it could just be seen like it's pay to win and bad. But All-Star Weekends don't mean anything, so that could be a really good way to do that and maybe give prize pools to the players competing in that or giving to charities and stuff like that. Yeah, I think the same could be said for like uh, the All-Star event for, for League of Legends and stuff like that. That would be good. Um, like It's kind of hard to integrate, though, with like a lot of these games because like, I I'd say they're... like... I like it's I but I, I see what Dylan's saying though. Like, I mean, there should be some correlation there somewhere, but it's really difficult to kind of make, especially where like skin textures is such a huge thing for like a player experience for the pro to play, you know what I mean? So you couldn't like you couldn't have like a regular day of like LCS or some shit like that and have people bidding on like which skin each player should play, you know what I mean? I think it'd be a great way to put money into the team and stuff like that because all that money would go back to the team. But it could also like I mean a lot of players only play with one skin because it like the animation's cleaner and everything like that right so i don't really know how they would do it i think there's definitely some I, i'm sure they'll find something and the three of us are gonna sit there and be like oh okay that was fucking obvious but i mean i don't think <laughs> i don't i don't, I can't think of it off I mean, we've already seen an extent of it with the um like the overwatch all access pass if you donate twitch uh if you donate bits or a certain amount for your weekly challenges you can get a spray or something kind of like that like they already have found ways to implement it um that doesn't affect the game but it's still tracking how much i was probably a very early on level of this so that channel is able to track individual bits from individual people um and what effects it has so that's probably ways i think the overwatch league is done a lot with bits um versus the other league so i just think seeing how that works um would be the closest we ever see i can never see it having any effect in game because that's just 
that would delegitimize esports majorly if people could have any kind of effect on professional games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then the last one I wanted to go through, which was like a, a little bit of a bigger one, because the other ones just small, like quality of life things, is implementation of polls. So there was like a small version of this, I guess, um, that some streamers got if you were like a partner, um, you got into this little beta that if you put a, I think it was a straw poll. I think that's the big one because a lot of people yeah. straw poll. Straw poll if you yeah. threw a straw yeah. poll in, it would actually uh, populate. On Show the up on the side. Yeah, yeah. Right on the top of the bar and it would link you right there. But now what they're doing is implementing that fully, but without the straw poll itself i think they just have it on their own back end so it will actually just drop down you can click right there so instead of clicking on that and then going to the straw poll you're just like directly clicking um on the element which i think is kind of cool to have a poll like that i would definitely see this being used at larger events because before i don't know it felt a little bit weird that like you know overwatch league is sending you to a straw poll i think that might be a little bit weird but if it's actually all in client i could totally see whoever's like running the stream or whatever or maybe a mod in the stream just like throwing it out it's like oh what team do you think is gonna win and just pull right there well a lot of a lot of the leagues have moved to twitch extensions now so like for mvp voting it was a twitch extension so you didn't take go to a straw poll or anything it was all on the screen and it's extensions what a lot of people have gone to so again i see this being a very big thing for smaller streamers but again not something that affects the major leagues because they've already developed or found ways around all these things because twitch have been so slow yeah. I, I definitely think that there could have for again smaller tournament organizers smaller leagues yes for the largest leagues that we talk about the most no 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 i actually disagree with you on that one because Why? like the twitch extensions having it up is fine and all but you have to enable all that stuff this is just it's there it's just there you click on it the ease of access is way 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 lower than having a full-on twitch extension and this is just something but it's to too with. late they already developed it why why go through and make that change when you already because, put money and time into it things like there's just a yeah. few things out there it's not like um it's super readily available to every single person out there i mean yeah there's some ones like you know the t-mobile uh twitch extension to, to vote for your mvp like you might have that like i could see that because it's super branded and sponsored but like i'm talking like quick community interactions i'm not saying vote for the overwatch league yeah. mvp i'm just saying Hey, who do you think is going to win this map? Or do you think like who do you think is the MVP of this map? Like for like small stuff, I'm not saying the over like the huge polls that they're doing. I'm talking like small, quick polls that like is going to be with just the community, just with the people chatting. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do see that. I mean, again, Overwatch League already has implemented betting as well, um, like a little, like a whole betting app that has all these. Who do you think will win this specific match and stuff like that? So again, they have. I, I do agree. I know I'm kind of coming back with counterpoints. To everything you're saying. I do think there can be some use to this on a smaller scale, but I don't think it'll ever be wide scale something that they have someone. I mean, hell, we see over, we see it's like certainly things just not even having mod or being moderated badly. I can't see them now all of a sudden having someone sitting there making polls all game is, I mean, that's just extra manpower and all that kind of stuff where they can have all of it automated ahead of time. It's just a thing that these leagues are looking for automation while it's super cool that it requires someone to be there and to share those results and all that kind of stuff. Because someone needs to make those polls still. So again, league, larger league look for automations. But again, these small to medium sized leagues are going to love this kind of stuff. Yeah. The, uh, like, uh, this, I think this is a pr- probably a pretty good thing for like tier two. 
yes. esports and as a whole, right? Like the ones that only average like maybe peak hours, maybe a couple thousand if they're lucky. But I mean, not only this, but like upcoming esports as well. Like I mean, this is a, a nice blend for them. Yes, it would have been nice to have three years ago, so all these things wouldn't have had been designed. Yeah, exactly. But now right. it's too late because all this money has been put into developing things because Twitch was slow on this to implement something that a straw poll has been around since like middle school for me. Like, yeah, exactly. so. yeah. All right, Dylan, you got something else for me to shoot down? I have, I have one more thing. So this isn't anything that was announced at TwitchCon, um, but it's some breaking news. Do 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 do. So breaking news from the the streaming scene is apparently some streamers, I won't name names, but some very big streamers have been having conversations with Sony in that they might try to get some streaming deals on some movies. So the big thing I want to bring it up here is that um, not so much of like, oh, like streamers are having movie nights, but more of the conversation of that just because we have a few more minutes is that some streamers have, have such a big pull that they're able to talk with people like Sony to get streaming license for their streams. That's how legitimate Twitch wow. is getting at this point, that it's it's seen as That's like cool. a legit thing and that companies are willing to license out some of their very, you know, big deal, uh, you know, licenses to some of these streamers. Yeah, and it'd be uh, be custom licenses because obviously like to licensing to a movie theater or something like that is ridiculous large, but licensing someone one night saying, hey, like, 50% of all revenue from the stream goes to us. You get the other 50% or something like that. Like finding unique ways to really partner with that, I think is a really cool way because movie nights and stuff like that don't happen once you become a large streamer because it has to be all like super unofficial and all that kind of stuff. But actually just saying, hey, come on the live Twitch stream. We will have a normal stream, but we'll be watching a movie instead with Tim the Tap Man up in the top right corner or someone kind of like that. Like I think that's a really cool kind of feature that could be implemented. And just that opening of, custom licenses to individual personalities and streamers versus companies, which is how it's always been. It's super cool. I mean, we could see, um, I mean, right now licensed music is not allowed for a lot of people, but people still play it anyways. And it just gets muted out later. Well, um, Hey, um, whatever Taylor Swift's new albums coming out, you can pay you like, I'll pay you a certain amount. Like you'd be like one of the only streams that can stream it while on stream and stuff kind of like that. Like most pe- personalities don't care about that, but 